0: Chapter 8 Morphing Language Considering that scripture in Isaiah pronouncing woe upon those who call good evil and evil good, we've been witnessing the morphing or evolution of words to mean the exact opposite of what was originally intended. For instance, during the decade of the 1980's the word bad began to mean good. Someone upon hearing something they liked would explain, that's bad, but really meant it was good. Doesn't Isaiah 5.20, which we just read in the last chapter, perfectly encapsulate that reality? In fact, by the turn of the century, another popular word also began to be used for good, which is sick. Talk about calling good evil. Unfortunately, this phenomenon is nothing new. It's been occurring since ancient times, especially concerning translations. People's concept of a word or meanings is continually morphing with the evolution of society. To illustrate, what if someone thousands of years from now uncovers an English writing from our present era speaking of someone being skinny? Determining the meaning of skin would probably be not be too difficult, considering it's often basic usage, but skinny would be a problem. The most obvious conclusion upon which to naturally arrive is skinny means much skin, and much skin would indicate fat, right? But fat, or having lots of skin, would be the opposite of the actual, original, or lost meaning of thin. With that in mind, the following words are common words and phrases prevalent in Christian circles which have morphed, in most cases, to being the exact opposite of their original meanings. In fact, how on earth is it possible to arrive at a proper conclusion or truth when the original intent of a word or phrase has been changed or lost? Obviously it's not easy, if even possible. So let's take an eye-opening look at these common Christian and Biblical words and terms and compare them to the original Biblically defined meanings. The first is angel. According to Strong's exhaustive concordance of the Bible, the Hebrew word most commonly translated angel is malik. How amazing that malek is also the primary word translated king. In fact, as we'll see, the angels or watchers were the origin of the whole concept of kings. Malak is also originally, occasionally rendered messenger, deputy, or ambassador. But one thing's for sure, Malak does not mean a chubby winged baby or winged human. If we're to accept the Bible's descriptions of angels such as the seraphim and cherubim described in the first three chapters of Ezekiel, they're obviously more animal than human. Reinforcing that conclusion is Genesis 1, informing us the animals were created after or according to their kind. Something cannot be created after its kind if its kind doesn't already exist. That said, the only things created before humanity and physical animals were the angels. Job 38.7 declares how the sons of God, that is the angels, shouted for joy at the creation of the earth. It was also these sons of God, or angels, who descended upon Mount Hermon and procreated with human women, spawning the mythical half-human, half-animal Nephilim, who were worshipped by the ancient world. We find that spelled out clearly in the book of Enoch, in chapter 7. Considering the ancient world virtually across the board worshipped animals, Are we really to believe they were so stupid as to elevate dumb physical animals, like cows, dogs, etc., to God status? On the other hand, if these watchers or animal angels were the real spirit animals, or worshipping them was a real no-brainer. Let's not forget, Genesis 3 plainly tells us the evil one Adam and Eve chose to embrace in the Garden of Eden was a beast. This beast or creature was labeled there the most cunning of the beasts of the field. Obviously it was far more cunning than the humans like Adam and Eve. Our next word is Armageddon. Another extremely popular word bandied by Christians regarding the end time and tribulation is Armageddon. Armageddon has come to mean apocalypse or the end of the world which unfortunately has nothing to do with the original connotation. Apocalypse, by the way, means to reveal. Armageddon is an Anglicization of two Hebrew words, Har meaning hill, and Megiddo, an ancient Jewish city built on that hill. In fact, the word is only found in a single Bible passage, which is Revelation 16.16, in reference to a prophesied battle to be fought on the plains below Megiddo, which is all it means, and then not the end of the world. Another word morphed badly is born again. Born again is a phrase so used and abused or misinterpreted, it's absurdly hilarious. In one of the first places we find the phrase used, which is John 3, 5 through 8, we find the whole issue introduced and wrapped up in one nice little package. Let's read what the Messiah is saying to Nicodemus, a Jewish nobleman. There he says, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water, And God's spirit, he cannot enter the domain or kingdom of Yahweh. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of Yahweh's spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I have said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of Yahweh's spirit, i.e. born again. Regardless of the absurd arguments we hear from all the different Christian groups, we have the truth straight from Messiah right there. We cannot enter the domain of heaven without being born again or from above. That is of literal spirit making us like the wind. Obviously, the reason for the absurd rationalizations emanating from the many Christian cults or sects is because they're not only not born again from above, but haven't a clue what it even means to be. In their desperation to convince themselves and others they are, has led to conco- them to concoct every ridiculous ar- argument imaginable. Church. Church, again, is another English word that doesn't come close to the re- meaning of the original Greek word ekklesia, from which it's translated. Ecclesia means a calling out or called out one or individuals. It's said... It was King James himself who insisted upon the use of the word church, even though most of his translation translators agreed it wasn't correct. Obviously, to be called out ones, you have to be called out of something. How can the churches claim to be called out ones when they are as much a part of the world and its systems as anyone? The next word is death. Shockingly, the meaning of death should be a no-brainer. But since everyone who claims to be saved and/or born again are dying, they're faced with a terrible conundrum. In their desperation to justify their beliefs of being saved from death and/or hell, they cannot allow death to actually mean dead. Consequently, pagan concepts such as the immortal soul and reincarnation are desperate attempts, contrived to avoid the truth that deadly that death really does mean dead. After all, in Deuteronomy 30:19, we find Yahweh offering his people the choice between life and death considering they're offered as opposites how can choosing life mean you have to die first how absurd let's not forget adam and eve were also given that literal choice between life and death they were told if they partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil they would surely die but if they partook of the tree of life they would never die i.e they would be immortal even in the new testament in john 8 51 through 52 we find the messiah telling his disciples he who keeps my words shall never see or taste death. Obviously, he was speaking of immortality, i.e. never dying. Fear is another very misunderstood word. The Hebrew word for fear is yer, which in most usages regarding Yahweh means to honor or respect. On the other hand, fear is a very destructive aspect of pride. In fact, fear, that is of going to hell, is a major tool of the world's religions that the world's religion is used to control and manipulate their laity. It's also a way to force or intimidate people to give money to the corporate religions. And how, how ironic the way it was also used to steal our freedoms, that is, with the crown virus, our new crown. God. God is another anglicized word rooted in the English word good. But even the shallowest of word studies shows it to merely be a title of deity, not a name at all. In fact, the father god of the Canaanites whom the Israelites were warned not to worship was called El or Elohim. Which, shockingly, the translators rendered God in the English translations. We'll read more about that later. Then there's godly. Godly is always used in place of righteous. But the truth is, there are endless pagan gods. So godly can be a reference to any or all of them. Hmm. Hell is a very interesting and again very manipulated concept far removed from its original meaning. The Bible shows us four usages, none of which support the common modern usages. The most common one is the Hebrew word shio, simply mean meaning underground, grave, or pit. Another supposed Greek word for hell is Gehenna. But this word came from the Hebrew Valley of Hinnom, which was Jerusalem's city dump, which was always burning, i.e., the everlasting fire. It was there the poor, or the ones without the means for a burial, and the criminals were thrown. Actually, the concept of Dante's hell is not found in the Bible. In fact, we're told in Jude, uh, verse 13, and in Enoch chapters 10, 6 through 8, that the demons or watchers are imprisoned in a cold, dark place. Just the opposite of Dante's version. But the best perspective yet was given uh, by the late Bible historian Ernest Martin. He points out the word hell was simply the old English word for "hole." In fact, hell was a place farmers kept their potatoes and apples for the winter. Shockingly, holy and helly are literally the same word. Heaven. Heaven's another word taken to all extremes. Everyone and their culture has their version of what heaven means or where it is. But if we put all the bits and pieces found in the Bible, which is all there is, we can conclude it's the realm or dimension in which the Creator and His angels reside considering they can apparently observe us while we're unable to see them, shows us heaven is not so much a place as a dimension. It seems we are simply a physical dimension within their higher spirit realm. Israel. This is a hugely misunderstood word and concept. There have been countless research and books written on this subject, but notwithstanding who modern Israel is, makes it impossible to understand most of the Old Testament prophecies and our future. To make this massive subject brief, we need only read Amos 9, verse 9, where Yahweh states, For surely I will command and will sift the house of Israel among all the nations as grain is sifted in a sieve, yet not the smallest grain shall fall to the ground or be lost. Well, there goes the lost ten tribes theory. Besides, what kind of inept God would lose most of his children anyway? If our God could lose most of his people, well, maybe would be prudent to find well a new one plus considering the promises to abram isaac and jacob their descendants would not only be the greatest and most powerful nations on earth but would number as the sand of the seashore we find that in genesis 17 genesis 26 and 48 and other places that certainly did not occur in ancient times to best simplify this subject, virtually all the modern Western nations are descended of the tribes of ancient Israel. The Jews are one of the smallest tribes, with Ephraim, i.e. the United States, being the largest. We'll read more about that later. Jesus. This name is discussed in length in an upcoming chapter, but to be succinct, Jesus is an anglicized form of the Greek Savior, Iesus, which replaced the Hebrew Messiah, Yeshua. Again, more on that later also. Jews. It's assumed and widely taught all Israelites are Jews, but nothing can be further from the truth. Judah, which is the fourth son of 12 of Jacob, was always one of the smaller tribes. Ephraim, the youngest son of Joseph, became the largest and most dominant tribe of the northern ones and is referred to as Israel in many places in the Bible, such as in the book of Hosea. After Israel split up under the kings Rehoboam and Jeroboam, Judah, Levi, and Benjamin became the southern nation called Judah, with the other ten becoming the northern nation called Israel, or Ephraim. Law. Law is another very misunderstood word causing great confusion. Law is an English word having very little to do with the Hebrew word Torah that it replaced. Torah simply means instruction. Law is an obligatory word and concept punished for breaking, while Torah simply means instruction on how to live, prosper, and to be happy. Life. Life, simply stated, is the opposite of death or immortality. One of the major themes of the Bible is life versus death, not life after death or the immortal soul. Light and day. Our concept of day and night has changed drastically since ancient times also. Day was not originally a mix of light and darkness. In Genesis 1 3, verses 3 through 5, we find that light or day and night are listed as two different opposite entities. We see, we then see hundreds of scriptures where light is a reference to righteousness while darkness or night is a reference to evil. Interestingly, the Creator and His Son are both called light. Day, becoming a mix of darkness and light, was due to Eve's choice of the tree with that was the mix of the knowledge of good and evil. Apparently, there was no night in the Garden of Eden, only light. Interestingly, there will be no night or evil in the new earth either. That's in Revelation 22.5. Love. Our modern age has acquired so many condic- con- contradictory meanings for love. But if we put all the Bible scriptures on love together, love can be stated as simply showing respect for our Creator and others and performing unselfish actions for both. Messiah. Messiah simply means anointed one. The Hebrew is Mashiach. Anyone anointed as a king or priest was a Mashiach or Messiah. Christos or Christ is the Greek equivalent which, by the way, all the Greek gods were. Righteous. This is a word that's so simple, but often given so many different meanings, it makes your head spin. Simply put, righteous means to do the right thing. The right thing, of course, is always the unselfish, respectful, and or loving thing for both our creators and each other. Serpent. This crafty beast... Lurking in the Garden of Eden was not a snake. The Hebrew word is Nahash, which means shining one like brass and or burning one. In fact, Nahash is what the seraphim in the first few chapters of Ezekiel are called. And of course, they were anything but snakes. Sin. Sin is another much abused word like righteous. And just like righteous, sin is simply to do the hurtful or selfish thing, whether it be towards our creators or our neighbor, including family. Soul is the English translation of the Hebrew word nephesh, which simply means breathing or living creature. In fact, when animals were created in Genesis 1, they were called living creatures or souls.